Thanks to Slack for supporting The Motley Fool. Slack is a messaging app that brings together all your team's communications in one place, making work simpler and more productive. Go to slack.com to learn more. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Tuesday, January 16th, and I'm your host, Vincent Chen. Fools, I hope you enjoyed the holiday. To start the new week, I am enlisting the help of SeniorFool.com contributor, Adam Levine Weinberg, who's calling into the Fool HQ studio via Skype. Hey, Adam, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me on the show again. Yeah, Adam, um, I wanted to bring you on to Industry Focus today because back in late November, we discussed the outlook for department stores for the 2017 holiday season. And across the industry, we talked about how it would be really important for retailers to keep up the positive momentum that they built up from the Black Friday weekend. Well, at this point in the new year, uh, quite a few major retailers and some of the big box stores do. They've reported preliminary results from the end of the year, and the tone of the industry seems more upbeat than it has been in quite some time. And let's go top to bottom from best to worst performers for the holiday period. Uh, which companies ended up leading the pack? Yeah, so what we saw um, over the holiday season was that the off mall retailers uh, did the best among uh, brick and mortar. Uh, retail. Mm -hmm. So Kohl's actually had the very best results uh, of the companies that have reported so far. It said that comp sales were up 6.9% during the holiday season, and that's its best result in more than a decade. Oh, wow. uh, and if you just look on a, on a full year basis, um, for the past five years now, Kohl's has basically been flat. Um, comp sales basically the same as they were all the way back in 2011. So this is really a, a quite dramatic change in the trend at Kohl's mm -hmm. uh, and really quite impressive. And it sent the stock flying higher, not not surprisingly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, the, the big thing I saw uh, from their press release to the note is just, you know, they call it strong traffic, which is always something that uh, we're looking for, especially with these physical, uh, these retailers with a physical store presence like this. And also they called out the online channel too, um, with growth for that, uh, for that channel accelerating during the two-month holiday period, so definitely interesting to see. Yeah, it's definitely good to see uh, a company that is generating very strong online growth, but also seeing growth in its stores. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Kohl's is definitely benefiting here from the fact that its its stores are in more convenient locations, generally speaking, um, in strip malls or uh, standalone locations. Uh, where people are driving by frequently, whereas a lot of the other department stores that they're competing against are very much tied to malls. And as you know, mall traffic has just been declining for years and years, and that trend doesn't really seem likely to end anytime soon. Mm -hmm. So we have also got Target, um, you know, similar in terms of the locations to Kohl's, and so not surprisingly, it also did quite well over the holiday season with comp sales up 3.4%. Uh, and so that allowed Target to raise its guidance for the year. And that's uh, actually the, th the third time now in the past year that Target has raised its guidance. So uh, 2017 went from, um, at the outset, seeming like a very downbeat year for Target to being actually fairly good uh, in light of the competitive pressure that it's seeing from some of its rivals. Yeah, it's very encouraging uh, with the, the turnaround plan that they've mentioned and that management has pointed to as their roadmap. And again, similar to Kohl's, you know, they cited strong traffic, so there's that first good sign. And then also strong results in their digital sales. Um, their digital channel 
I see here had enjoyed growth of over 25% in full year 2017. And we talked about trends recently for retail in 2018. And the Omnichannel is leaving its fingerprints here as well. Stores fulfilled 70% of Target's digital sales volume in November and December. And that's something that uh, we'll see, a theme that we'll see with some of the other companies that we'll talk about today as well. Yeah. The one thing I would mention about Target is that compared to uh, department stores, it gets a much, much lower percentage of its um, revenue online even mm-hmm. now. So it's been uh, posting very good growth, but from such a small base, I think online is still about three or four percent of its revenue, whereas um, with some of the other companies we'll talk about, like Macy's and Nordstrom, that's like 20 or 25 percent of Yeah, revenue. about one quarter. So, yeah, so definitely have a long way for them to go. Starting from that smaller scale is good, but seeing that growth, you definitely want that. You know, Walmart's enjoyed uh, really strong growth rates in mm-hmm. that space as well. They've made investments there. Both companies definitely racing in that space. But, um, you know, you mentioned the, uh, the off-mall retailers kind of leading the pack, but the middle of the pack, the traditional department stores that you and I cover all the time, um, you know, this has been a space, or these are companies that you've looked at for uh, for uh, years now, and they also had surprisingly strong numbers too. You go over some of those. Yeah, so J.C. Penney was definitely the best among the uh, traditional mall-based retailers, mm-hmm. um, and it has, uh, you know, up until a couple of years ago, it was showing a pretty strong sales comeback, uh, and that kind of that trend changed over the last year or two, and most of 2017 was pretty bad for JCPenney. But actually, they had 3.4% comp sales growth during the holiday season, so that's definitely encouraging, um, showing that they might be back onto a better trend, which could help them looking into 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, going a little further down the list, Macy's and Nordstrom both posted comp sales gains of about a little over 1%. Um, so that's definitely solid, um, especially for Macy's, which had posted a comp sales decline for 11 straight quarters coming into the holiday season uh, in 2017. So it's it's pretty encouraging to see comp sales growth, even if it's still a pretty low number at these companies, mm-hmm. um, because they've just, especially Macy's, has uh, really struggled to get traffic in the doors, uh, mainly because of that mall focus that we talked about a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Macy's also uh, both these companies that we that you just mentioned, JCPenney, Macy's. They're uh, trying to highlight their digital growth, the things that they're doing on that side. JCPenney, they mentioned that 100% of their store locations assisted in e-commerce fulfillment. How much that is in terms of each store and and the ultimate impact, it's hard to say. But obviously, that's something um, that the management teams seem focused on. And for Macy's, you know, we point to the digital growth too, how it's a bigger uh, base for them. But on the flip side, uh, you know, the company's still reducing its store fleet. They've closed. Almost, uh, I think it's 125 locations in 2015. So it's about 15% of their footprint. So obviously, um, that's one company that you and I have spoken about several times, Adam, where they're still trying to right size their physical footprint and monetize their real estate assets where it makes the most sense to do so. Um, one one more company here that uh, I wanted to cover was Nordstrom. How'd they do? Yeah. So Nordstrom um, had about a 1% comp sales increase in its full line stores and a 2.9% increase in its off-price business, um, which is Nordstrom Rack. So those are definitely solid numbers, especially in the full line. Um, To be honest, I would like to see the off-price number be even higher, because right now Nordstrom's been rapidly expanding uh, its online off-price business. So uh, up until a few years ago, there was no Mm NordstromRack.com e-commerce business. And it's definitely a, a high growth business in terms of revenue, but it's actually not profitable. 
And so what you've been seeing recently is uh, actually top sales declines in the Nordstrom Rack physical stores, whereas other off-price retailers have been posting pretty good growth, whereas all the growth has been in this unprofitable e-commerce business. So that's not really helpful in terms of overall company profitability. So I'm hoping to see uh, further acceleration in that trend next year, and you'd like to see more like mid-single-digit comp sales growth in Nordstrom Rack um, and Nordstrom's other off-price business. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Nordstrom Rack, that's the sole... Uh part of the business where they've still been trying to expand the footprint, add new stores each year. So, um, with the effort, the investments that they're putting into that, you definitely want to see strong numbers coming out of there. Um, yeah. So, it's understandable in terms of those expectations. Um, so, closing out now, some of the companies that did not do as well, um, some smaller ones, uh, one of them's not a surprise. Can you run through those? Yeah. So, uh, it was definitely interesting that while you saw really good sales numbers for most of the department stores, the ones that have been perennially the laggards continued to be laggards uh, during the holiday season. So first of all, you had Sears Holdings, which has just been a complete disaster for many years now. Mm -hmm. So they own both Sears and Kmart chains. They've been closing stores at a pretty remarkable pace. Um, During 2017, they will have closed about a quarter of their entire store base. Even with all those stores closing, they're still seeing double-digit sales declines within the remaining stores. So they are on track for a 16 to 17% um, comp sales decrease during the holiday season, which is really just um, phenomenally bad. Yeah. Um, they tried to uh, to go back to the well with some of the the nostalgia plays. They brought back the Sears Wish Book catalog from decades ago. They brought back Kmart Blue Light specials. They went with a strategy, putting the entire uh, store on sale well before Black Friday to try to get traffic in in advance, and none of it worked. Um, And it's just not surprising. Sears is basically dead. The only reason why they're still in business, to be uh, perfectly blunt, is they've had billions and billions of dollars of real estate and and valuable brands, which they've been selling off at a steady pace year after year for about five years. And that's brought in enough money to keep the company afloat, despite free cash flow that's been um, negative to the tune of one and a half to two billion dollars every year. And you know, at some point in the next couple of years, they're going to just run out of things to sell to keep the business afloat, and then it's going to collapse. The other company um, that I wanted to talk about today was Bonton. Um, so Bonton's a smaller department store chain, but it's still pretty significant. It has about two and a half billion dollars of annual revenue, and uh, they had been posting very, very poor comp sales results, um, mid to high single-digit declines during the first uh, three quarters of 2017. But they said on their conference call back in uh, mid-November that the first uh, two or three weeks of the fourth quarter had been quite good with comp sales up in the high single digits. By the time November got to the by the end of November, they reported that comp sales were actually up about 3% for the full month. And then when they reported their holiday sales uh, about a week ago, they said actually for the full holiday season, so November and December combined, comp sales were down by about 3% year over year. So you just saw a huge change in trend again or a return to the previous trend in December with you know ser- serious significant comp sales declines. This is a company that has just a few million dollars of cash in the bank trying to support a $2.5 billion business, uh, doesn't generate free cash flow, is losing money every year. Um, doesn't have the kind of properties that Sears has to sell in order to bring in cash. 
And as a result, um, there have been reports just out in the last few days that they're likely to um, file for bankruptcy in the, in the next uh, couple of weeks or so. And it's really at this point just a question of whether they manage to restructure somehow or the company gets broken up or they liquidate entirely. Yeah. So, you know, we've covered a, a range here of some of the names that we uh, talked about on that previous show in November, kind of following up, giving a progress report. But overall, uh, a lot of the retail uh the industry groups, some of the uh, various research firms had expected about th- uh, four, three and a half percent, four percent increase in consumer spending. Strong holiday. We're seeing that come through for most of these companies. Um, but let's talk a little bit about uh, the on the earnings side and the profitability side on the bottom line. Uh, you know how I, I've seen a lot of guidance changes, guidance updates, not only for 2017 for the full year. A lot of these uh, quarters are ending at the end of this month, but also for 2018 as well. A little bit more optimism in the results from these management teams. What are you seeing there? Yeah, so coal is not surprisingly, given that 6.9% comp sales increase, uh, increased their uh, full year guidance by about 9%. So that's pretty remarkable, you know, in the last month of the year to raise your full year guidance by that uh, by that much. And that doesn't even include the impact of tax reform, which will probably um, give another percentage or two percentage point or two of growth in in fiscal 2017. Most of the benefit of tax reform will actually come in fiscal 2018. When it will probably provide an additional 20% boost to earnings per share, just because um, Kohl's and many of these other retailers we're talking about today uh, is a full taxpayer under the old system, so they were paying about 37%, 38% a year, and that's going to go down to maybe 23%. So that's a really, you know, pretty remarkable change in tax rate and really big savings. Um, Target also um, very strong comp sales results, and so. Target raised its guidance uh, by about 4% for the full year, and that does include uh, a small benefit from tax reform. Looking at uh, Macy's and Nordstrom, they also updated their guidance, and they uh, were a little more conservative, though. They said that guidance is going to be at the high end of the previously provided ranges in both cases. Mm-hmm. And it's not surprising that they're, they're not beating those guidances just because uh, they didn't have the same level of comp sales growth as, as you recall, they were both up about one percent. Yep. And then finally, you have J.C. Penney, um, which uh, said that um, it had three point four percent comp sales gain, but did not update its earnings guidance. So we'll have to wait and see. There, um, it's possible that the original guidance was just pretty aggressive. It's also possible um, that J.C. Penney doesn't want to update the guidance until they're sure. And it's also possible that they had to do more discounting to drive that sales growth. So we'll just have to wait and see uh, how they got that kind of sales growth. Yeah, we'll definitely have a little bit more color to share. A lot of these companies are will be reporting in the next month or two. Um, so next up, we'll talk a little bit about what lies ahead for these companies more specifically um, to close the discussion, and then we'll talk about some recent news from the king of retail, Walmart. Thanks to Slack for supporting The Motley Fool and Industry Focus. Slack is a messaging app that brings all your team's communication together, giving everyone a shared workspace where conversations are organized and accessible. If you've ever been so frustrated searching through your emails for that one follow-up item or had to look through five different systems and programs to find what you need for your project, then you'll appreciate what Slack can do to save you time and to improve your productivity. Here at The Motley Fool and among the Industry Focus team specifically, we host, we use the app constantly to organize our team meetings. We use it to prep for our shows, share updates on our episodes, and also even listener reviews. What I appreciate most 
is how Slack connects all the tools and services that I use the most in one place, and then it complements it all with real-time messaging, searchable archives, and group file sharing, which works with all the apps you might already use, including Salesforce, Zendesk, and Google Drive. You can tailor Slack to your own work with more than 1,000 apps, and with mobile apps for iOS and Android that sync seamlessly, you can pick up where you left off anywhere you go. To find out more about Slack, where work happens, go to slack.com. That's S-L-A-C-K.com. All right, Adam. So last time we pointed out things to watch for the rest of 2017. Now we're still in the first few weeks of the new year. What are you going to be following for 2018 now, and maybe even looking out further than that? Yeah. So even with these really strong holiday sales results, department stores and big box discounters like Target still face some pretty significant challenges, mainly from the rise of e-commerce. Um, a lot of people, just looking at the industry um, from a very high-level perspective, say oh, these companies need to focus on their e-commerce and their omni-channel businesses, drive more business online. And that might look fine for sales, but uh, generally speaking, the in-store businesses have very high fixed costs, whereas uh, e-commerce has very high variable costs. And so the result is if you are posting 2% growth, but it's actually a 2 or 3% decline in your comp store sales in-store offset by 30% growth online, mm-hmm. you're actually seeing... Uh, your costs rise much, much faster than your revenue. And indeed, you've seen very, very severe margin pressure on all of these retailers in recent years. So these companies need to be able to drive more traffic to their stores, um, to their physical stores, um, while also uh, driving the e-commerce growth to add to the top line. So that's why it's very encouraging to see what Kohl's has done this past quarter and also to some extent Target. And so we definitely like to see that continue going into 2018. And it does help for all of these retailers, even looking at the mall-based stores, that they're going to face very easy year-over-year comparisons for most of the coming year, just because the results were so bad for the first three quarters of 2017. Um, That said, uh, I would also like to... uh, (laughs) I, you know, I, I would like to see some of the weaker retailers disappear, to be perfectly blunt, um, just because they're you know, taking up business, even as they're posting big comp sales declines, they're still uh, taking a significant chunk of this in-store business and dragging down other healthier retailers that really ought to be able to survive in the long run. Mm-hmm. And I, so I think that we are going to see that shakeout now in the next year or two, just because um, those weaker retailers like Bonton and Sears that have been... Um, flailing around for years and and not making any progress towards a sustainable turnaround, um, they've sort of reached the end of the line now. And without some miracle in the next few months or years, uh, they're going to be gone probably by 2020 at the very latest. Yeah. Um, and I think that'll be good. You know, particularly if you look at Sears, um, J.C. Penney has really positioned itself to pick up a lot of that business by moving into appliances, moving into home services. Um, I think that Macy's, JCPenney, Kohl's are all in position to pick up some business if Bonton were to go under. So I would definitely say that uh, the consolidation of the sector just by some of the weaker names dropping out could provide an additional impetus to improve the profit traje- the profit trajectory um, at the remaining department stores in 2018 and going forward. Yeah, and that would continue a trend that we've already seen. Uh, you know, we've seen record numbers of bankruptcies and store closures in 2017. And if we step back just a little bit, you think about some of the macroeconomic indicators like low unemployment. We have rising consumer confidence, which happened to be at its highest level in the past decade, right around the holiday season. 
there's been a really good stock market. That's definitely helped to explain, I think, the big spending from the holiday period uh, that we've talked about and the results from these companies. At the same time, um, you know, I am glad you brought up the potential closure for these weaker retailers because you know there's 7,000 store closures in 2017, and it helps when the survivors can pick up additional traffic and market share. And after record years for you know those bankruptcies, those closings, the U.S. market overall, keep in mind, still has way more retail square footage per person than other parts of the world. Uh, you know, as much as five times more than countries in Europe, for example. So there's always that uh, bigger picture context. So with these closures, we're still kind of right-sizing that footprint. These companies are still figuring out what the balance will be between their physical and their digital channels. And I think consumers and investors should definitely expect to see. Uh, that that trend continue in 2018 and beyond as they they tweak the way they use their real estate and what that looks like going forward. So that brings us to actually to the last topic for this episode's related story that's made uh, that has uh, made a lot of headlines in the past week. So on January 11th, Walmart made multiple annou- announcements regarding improved pay and benefits to Walmart employees, a one-time bonus, uh, and also the potential effects of the new tax legislation. But I think management was hoping that good news would offset the announcement that they are closing 63 Sam's Club locations across the country. So that's about 10% of its U.S. store base. Can you give us uh, some of the details here, Adam? Yeah. So Sam's Club has always been um, the sort of smaller part of that Walmart business, Uh, not really as big a focus for the company as the traditional Walmart business or even Walmart's international business. Um, and it's just struggled along. They've never really found their identity. Um, initially, they definitely went for uh, you know the sort of lower income demographic that was closer to the traditional Walmart customer rather than the higher income demographic that Costco caters to. Um, the problem is those people um, obviously haven't been doing nearly as well in the, the um, current economic climate, which has been great for high earners and not as great for low earners. And so you've just seen very, very sluggish results, whereas Costco has been uh, growing very quickly in the last um, in the last decade, and honestly, in the last three decades. So, Walmart um, more recently changed the Sam's Club strategy to try to pick up more of the shoppers from Costco, putting more organic products, more upscale things. Uh, it just doesn't have that kind of brand power that Costco does, and its association with Walmart probably doesn't help um, in terms of trying to get uh, consumers who have hundred thousand dollar plus household incomes. So anyway, um, whatever the cause, uh, Walmart decided that there's just too many Sam's Club locations and some of them aren't profitable. So you've had basically a mix of, of there's two different things going on here. So in some metro areas, uh, they they build more clubs than there was demand for, and so uh, Sam's Club is just kind of thinning out the number of warehouse clubs that they operate. So you've seen this in Chicago. There's uh, six different warehouse clubs in the Chicago suburbs that are all going to be closing uh, in the coming weeks. Um, and that's about a third of what uh, Sam's Club operated in that area. So in most cases, um, Sam's Club customers will still have a, a location that's relatively close by that they can continue to go to, although I definitely think that Costco will pick up some business just um, from people who now find that Costco is more convenient to them than Sam's Club. Mm -hmm. Um, But what you've also seen is that there's entire markets where Sam's Club seems to have decided that it can't compete. Um, So just 
well, one of the most uh, interesting ones is Seattle. Um, they're closing all of their Seattle area warehouses. Um, that's three of them. And that's Costco's home market. So it's not surprising that they're in the worst position there. So Costco's now basically got a monopoly on that warehouse club model in, uh, in Seattle. Uh, also, Alaska, they decided to exit. So they had three stores there, uh, two in Anchorage, one in Fairbanks. Those are all going to be closing. Um, so again, that'll give Costco... Uh, some room to expand. And then in the Northeast, Sam's Club was all, uh, just to start out, Sam's Club was a lot smaller than Costco in the Northeast, and now it's pulling back even more. Um, pulling out of Syracuse and Rochester, New York, uh, in upstate New York, it's closing its only uh, location in Massachusetts, two of its three Connecticut warehouses, um, among others in that uh, Northeast corridor area. So really thinning out its position there. And, you know, Sam's Club warehouses traditionally haven't been able to generate the same uh, level of sales volume as Costco warehouses. And so having them in these far-flung locations with only a few here, a few there, wasn't really working from a logistics perspective, given that the, uh, the margins in that warehouse business are very, very tight to begin with, even more so than in Walmart's um, discount store uh, supermarket business. Yeah. And not surprisingly, if you read between the lines... Uh, it seems like some of these stores were cannibalizing each other, and then uh, I, I read a comment somewhere said the company realized that the population growth in some of these weaker markets that they that they had forecasted it, it just didn't live up to those expectations. It couldn't sustain the the supply of stores that they had there, and we've spoken uh, previously on industry focus about greater competition too. For example, with Consumers' grocery budgets, and if you look at uh, mm-hmm. Sam's Club's main rival that you've mentioned, Costco, uh, for November and December, they reported eight percent, nine percent comparable sales growth in those months, respectively. Um, they too have turned their attention to e-commerce, thirty uh, percent e-commerce growth, uh, for or over thirty percent e-commerce growth for the company in those periods too. And I think that that number is significant because. And also add some context to the decision because, on the one hand, you have these store closures, but on the other hand, Walmart mentioned that they're converting, I believe, about 12 of these club locations into e commerce fulfillment centers. And I think the recent holiday season may have been encouraging for uh, a lot of traditional retailers, but bubbling beneath that, there's still this shift with consumer spending to online digital channels. And then a lot of these investments and turnaround plans and long term strategies for companies in this industry prioritize that shift. Um, but uh, wrapping up here, any final comments from you, Adam, uh, before we uh, roll off? Yeah, I would just say that it'd be really interesting to watch Costco's um, sales results over the next few months um, just to see if they see a noticeable bump. Um, from the Sam's Club closures, particularly because uh, Costco has been reporting these really strong comp sales results, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, but it's had pretty easy year-over-year comparisons because it wasn't doing that well um, in 2016 and early 2017. Yep. So now that the comparisons are getting harder, it'll definitely help Costco to uh, to now have this sort of Sam's Club traffic that it can pick up. The other thing that I would look for is just to see whether Costco um, decides to pick up any of these Sam's Club locations that are closing, if, if it sees them as suitable um, sites for new Costco warehouses, or if they announce new sites um, elsewhere in those metro areas to try to uh, gain even more market share from these Sam's, Sam's Club closures. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Adam, for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. Sure. And thanks, Fools, for listening. People in the program may own companies discussed in the show, and the Molly Fool may have formal recommendations for or against any stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based only on what you hear during the program. Fool on. Fool on.